Are you ready to get started? Yes. All right. Hi, guys. My name Hello. is Emily. My name Welcome is Emily Layman. And this podcast is today. I have podcast. a guest. I've known her for a long time. We grew up together in Cincinnati, Ohio. Her name is Melissa Ott. And I'm excited to have Melissa here with me today. Hello. Thank you for coming on the show, Melissa. So Melissa has struggled with addiction in her family and addiction in her own life as well. She started drinking at a pretty young age. um, And definitely, I remember you being in the older crowd at school, like the party girls, the fun, like in that whole crew. So and then, yeah, you totally moved schools which we'll dive into. And then I feel like I would only randomly see you like at parties or football games. It would be so funny when I would see you and it'd be so fun and it would be so great. Um, So we've obviously, you know, we haven't stayed in touch too much throughout the year. So we're going to catch up and just kind of see where she is on her path to recovery and where I am in mine and just have an open dialogue type of discussion. Perfect. Sounds great. Okay, so when you were 14 or so, what do you think were some triggers that led you to start drinking alcohol so aggressively or what kind of started that for you? I I have a belief that really like I just remember being at a very young age and and already feeling um, out of place and unlovable. Like I just didn't fit in. And there were, um, just a series of events. Like, I think that, you know, how you mentioned, it's like growing up in an alcoholic family. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that I, I came from a great family, like externally and, and internally in a lot of ways, but then, you know, whether it was a consistency or love, some of that mm-hmm. stuff would be lacking or present. Right. Yep. I dealt with a lot of that as well in my, yeah. so that I feel that as well. Yeah. And then just moving forward, it's like I had live in babysitters and so my Dang. parents weren't always there. I had a so, nanny so. for 15 years, the same fucking nanny for 15 years. Right. I, I understand that a lot. Yeah. My parents, i feel like yeah we came from be that is it's an amazing place and we are very grateful and blessed with a lot of things but I feel like yeah. uh you and I we both were lacking some of those like at home family relationship things like my parents were yeah. really home a lot ever when I was a kid they were always traveling and doing and like great for them they're like living their best life and doing whatever and yeah. you know half of it's for my dad's work and like you know other half mm-hmm. is play yeah and and I also I struggled with um learning disabilities so they like just had me pop from school to school um and and so it was like that lack of connection whether it was at home or like with my peers yeah. uh that I just I always felt like I was I would feel like I was connecting and then I'd be ripped away and ripped yeah um, just yep that transferred to four separate schools before she graduated I uh switched to three 
separate yeah. schools. And I also had learning disabilities and issues with bullying, especially. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I would say uh, there were definitely mean girls in my grade. So, and I'm sure you had them too. Ugh. Yes, definitely. When I mean, it, I, I started going to the school we, we shared at, uh-huh. uh, in, in sixth grade. And it's so it was like brutal, was, right? It was really brutal. They're so mean. Yeah. I, I mean, truly my eighth grade year was like one of my most challenging years I think I've ever had, like at school. I remember, um, one of the boys in my grade had a pool party and, uh, like the boys threw me in. It was all fun. I went and put my clothes in the bathroom to like dry off and said nice, lovely girls went and took all my fucking clothes and they put them in the sink and turned the water on. And so my clothes just like got ruined and were soaking wet. That is like, terrible. You know, it's just like, things. Yeah. just like, okay. And my space bullying back in the day before fucking like Twitter and Instagram, what a world. And you know what that just made me think of though is in a in a time in you know those teen years, I remember being bullied so severely that I was already in my alcoholism. Like I would at this point sometimes drink alone, like yeah. at home. And um, yeah. and I remember like looking up like <laughs> Facebook groups to see if people because if they were talking oh, about me on there. Oh, like, like if they're talking about you, I thought you were saying you're looking for like help. I was like, wow, no, you. <laughs> that's really proactive. I, mean, I would have never thought that. <laughs> but I, I, um, it just showed me even back then, like, even if those were valid things, valid things I was experiencing, valid emotions I was feeling that I was also like, so consumed uh, with what other people were thinking and where we yeah. grew up I feel like that shaped so I mean I feel like that was such a constant it was so all about your image or like portraying this like perfect family and I feel like that shaped me for so long and I didn't realize what a fucking bubble that we lived in until like I got in trouble in the eighth grade and my parents sent me to Mexico on like a mission trip over the summer houses in the middle of like Baja and like people were living in tarps with like children and coming from where we, I mean, where we grew up, I mean, that was the the absolute biggest wake up call I think I could have ever had. And it was great. And I went on and did like a few more trips, but like, it's just we're we were so so sheltered yeah i feel like that it is it's a little alarming 100 percent. and i mean even you having that experience or like us going from different schools mm-hmm. it's like we got to be a little less sheltered than some of the others right because well, like of when, those experiences when i switched to the all girls high school after for high school when i moved back to ohio like I'm like, oh my God, people live in Westchester. Like I'm going to drive all the way to Westchester. That's like 25 minutes away. And I'm used to like, oh, I'm going to go to my friends down on Drake road. It's five seconds away. Like, I'm like, this is like a whole different, like, I'm like, wow, people really drive this far to like go to their friend's house. But it's like, then you're immersed with all these people who live all these different Mm -hmm. places. And it's just like, 
it was, it was crazy. And it was honestly really great to get out of the bubble. And I'm sure you, I hope maybe feel the same. Just, uh, I did. <laughs> and I do. The bubble is a little suffocating. So, yeah. Even through being in recovery now, it's like, I've met some just people throughout the years that I've been able to connect with that I probably would have never met. Mm-hmm. And I connect with so much deeper than from the initial bubble. Yeah. And I feel like that's because like you've experienced like real life experiences. You're not just like, oh, I'm going to go play tennis today and I'm going to grocery shop and then I'll get my kids from school. Like, okay, you're like out here, you're experiencing things. And mm-hmm. a lot of people don't really understand I don't know I think it's just like really small-minded where we live and since I'm living in Los Angeles now I feel like my like I just see everything so much differently it's just yeah definitely more like just way more magnified than our much more diverse diverse absolutely yes it's like a whole different world here it's crazy yeah Okay, I need to know about this you driving to Tennessee situation. Yeah, one of my, you know, we think in recovery and people talk about, like, we all share those, uh, the common problem. And then now we have a common solution of wanting to be sober. But I, I, I'm very young because this was uh, probably in high school that my friend started confronting me about my drinking. Um, Definitely in college, people started confronting me about my drinking. People who hadn't even known me long would sit me down and give me interventions. Um, Oh, wow. And I remember one night I was in Mount Adams, um, home from college, and I was partying with some friends, and I could feel that I was going in and out. Like, I was Mm -hmm. about to to black out. On the cusp. Um, (laughs) I didn't I didn't in the moment like I remember very strongly feeling like I don't want to hear their shit (laughs) and and I'm like I'm gonna go briefly nap this off in my car and I will meet them out at the bar after a quick nap um and and I remember walking to my car I remember walking to my car I remember getting to my car um And that's the last thing I remember. Um, And then hours later, I came to and I was driving in Tennessee. And I did not have any recollection of this, uh, the the entire drive. And I was seeing double. Um, That's fucking nuts. Yeah, no, I mean, and the thing is, is like, that's one of the things like with alcoholism or addiction, it's like, one night I could drink really like two drinks. And then all of a sudden I'm just like out of my mind, blacked out for hours. Wow. Just because of the amount of consumption. Right. So. Right. Yeah. And, and then I remember really what the insanity is, is that I, I closed one eye, drove all the way home, got home at like maybe 6am one eye. And, um, and then I remember the next night still being like a weekend night or, and, and that I just wasn't phased and I was about to go out and party again. And I was going to most likely drink and drive home. Mm-hmm. And then it did not bother me. Um, that it was something I didn't even mention to anybody else. 
um, Ooh, yeah. until years later and that it was one of those reasons that gets like, I can do this. Um, so I'm fine. Like, right. Like, it's like maybe other people would have crashed and killed somebody. I didn't, but I didn't this time. Yeah. And so that's still like, that's how, uh, that's how crazy my alcoholism and my addiction can get. Um, I mean, it can get even crazier than that, but that is a very prime example. Yeah, no, I mean, that's crazy. I've never really alcohol for me has never really been like a huge issue for me. I, my issues are Percocet, Xanax, pills. That was Mm -hmm. my, (laughs) that was my vice. So, I mean, it's always so interesting when people talk about like the alcohol part where you just like black out and you just like, don't remember anything because I've like experienced that, you know, like here and there, like, you know, in college when you're drinking and you're like having fun or whatever, but I've never experienced anything like so, so severe that I'm like, Holy fuck. Yeah. So, you, my friend, are very, very lucky. I am very lucky. There's <laughs> no question say. about that. <laughs> uh, so you are actively in meetings, yeah? Yes, I am actively in a 12-step program. Um, and I have been for the better half of almost seven years. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so- I remember you posting like a few things about your sobriety, like a few years ago. And I just thought on Facebook and thought it was like so fucking awesome. And then when I started doing this, I was like, who like just to reach out to some people that I know Mm -hmm. to like get started. And I was like, Oh, Melissa. And I'm so so glad you got back to me. But, um, so I'm so happy you reached out. I know. I'm so glad that you like wanted to do it. (laughs) I just want to connect with people today, you know, and if anything, Something that's so beautiful to me is that like, I've seen that all my pain has purpose. Yes. Everything I've experienced can help somebody else. Yeah. And that it doesn't like, it just didn't happen for no reason. Exactly. Um, That's kind of how I came to where I am as well. It's like, I have this story. I need to use my voice. I like, mm -hmm. why not? share it and try to annihilate the stigma that surrounds addiction and mental health. And I think that's important, but I want to hear about your 12 step in AA because that's not something that I've ever participated in. I, um, during my recovery, I basically got sober, like alone by myself. Um, I didn't have like any, family support. I wasn't going to meetings. None of my friends knew. It was just like me locked in my house, going through withdrawal, being a sack of oh shit. My gosh. Um, so I would, and, and so, I think those take different kinds of bravery, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, mean, I, w- I don't recommend that. That is not any type of medical <laughs> advice to anyone that's listening. Everyone needs to do what is the absolute best thing for you. I do not recommend doing that. It is not safe. Um, but that is yeah. just how that's what my path led me to. And that's kind of what I did. I did a ton of hot yoga. I would just like literally go to body alive in Kenwood, Melissa. And I would just like lay there and just let all the toxins just like seep out. And I would just like go like every day. 
Yeah. Um, so I just, I, and I journaled and I did things like that. And through yeah. the pandemic and stuff, I've been seeing so much more about like NA groups and like all these groups. Mm-hmm. Now I'm on clubhouse and i i don't know if you're on there or you've heard of it or anything i can explain it no i think you would really love it i use it for the sobriety aspect they're like rooms you can join and you connect with people all over the world and you just talk about your sobriety or like anything so it's pretty cool so cool but um i lost my train of thought so you wanted me to talk about my work yeah, I just would love to hear about like how it works for you and like how that yeah. is. So I think that when um when I first went into um my preferred 12-step program mm-hmm. that I just you know it's like there was just no doubt in my mind that I was powerless over alcohol. Um that it's cool as like I look through my entire experience from like, you know, like going into the rooms uh, around seven years ago to to today. Uh, mm-hmm. But I've seen each step get deeper. And like I it's like I have a different understanding. Like initially it was like, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just powerless over alcohol. Um, I had nailed that one into the ground. Um, there was no way that I couldn't, uh, that I could argue that like my life was manageable. Like there mm-hmm. was no way I could argue that. Right. Um, and over time, like I've been able to be like, and I'm powerless over drugs. Um, <laughs> which is funny because you hear most people say like, well, you know, it's like, I have a problem with heroin um yeah. and i don't have a problem with drinking which sounds much more rational than like i don't have i have a problem with alcohol but i don't have a problem doing cocaine <laughs> like, right and i uh, it's just how the insanity played out in me you know um and i can be useful to people with that um but i so then it grew even further it's like i'm powerless over what other people do I'm powerless over like places, all these things. It just had to grow. And it's like, I'm just willing to show up every day and be like, surprise me. Like I don't have any control. Um, And that's so free and free, you know? Yeah. Uh, Just taking it one day at a time. Yeah. And then just growing in uh, with like I grew up in a Catholic household and to, like the kind that's like, um, that say they're Catholics, <laughs> not necessarily practiced. Yeah. Um, we're priesters. We go to Christmas on Easter and Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> well, and you know, I went to that private Catholic school for high yeah. school because I got kicked out of other school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <No>. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, so I, I believed in God. I believed mm-hmm. in higher power. Totally. I didn't, I didn't like God anymore. Um, like mm-hmm. I thought that that was the cause for a lot, all the things that had happened. That were in my going life. wrong. Yeah. And so uh, it was really beautiful just to hear that it could be whatever I believed. Like that yes. the God I started praying to didn't have to be that Catholic God I was resentful at. 
that it could be, you know, like feeling like talking to a best friend or just yeah, taking a it walk be anything you want with the universe. Yeah, exactly. I I did that as well. And I kind of started getting into like crystals and stones and like just healing yeah. all these things. And like I was living with my parents um at the time and like on a full moon one night, I was like burning something, you know, like doing some something for all my feelings. And my dad's like are you like turning into a fucking witch? Like what's going on out here? Like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm like, leave me alone. I'm burning away all of my bad energies. <laughs> I love it. Just like stop it. And I recently so... got my human design chart. So like oh, I'm on the- yeah. That's awesome. I know. So I love learning about all the different, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. So really like when I, when I was told it could be my own conception, I really grabbed hold of that. Um, and that it's like a lot of me growing in spirituality is like, I'm choosing to connect with others today with God, with the world. And that's really like that connection, you know, is what draws me closer to healing um, with, with like, you know, a lot of the times when you hear about the 12 steps, you hear about inventory and, and that's like resentment, inventory, fear, inventory, and sex inventory. The way that that's grown for me is like, you know, initially I entered the fellowship and I'm like writing out like all these people I'm mad at this, like pity me. My life has been bad. Then when you look at, um, you know, the person and, and you know what the resentment is and what it affects that last column you're sitting there and saying seeing what you could have possibly done like what your part could be okay and and that usually looks like selfishness or self-seeking or dishonesty or or fear um so i just got to see a lot of patterns in my life really that shows is that uh whether it's like me being dishonest by not being authentic or like telling a friend like, Hey, that really hurt my feelings. When you did that, we end up having a blowout out fight because I just wasn't honest from the get go. Right. Um, so I got to just grow an experience with that. And then at the fifth step, like that's me connecting with another human and reading all this stuff. And so again, the spirituality aspect and you get to see yourself uh, like with, with six and seven, any of these characteristics that you found in yourself, if they are useful or if they're not, and just how they've been playing a part in your life and being kind of like, okay, cool. Mold me, God. Um, Ready. Yeah. Like mold me. Like some of this stuff hasn't worked for me. Show me what I need to be doing. Yeah. Um, And Something that's been so beautiful for me has been, um, has been immense, like going and I mean, essentially making apologies or I like, uh, the concept of like living amends, like I'm showing up as a different person. I'm healing, growing every day so that I can, you know, just keep connecting with others. Really? Like, it's like, I go and I admit my wrongs and that person who I'd be terrified to see in the grocery store and I'd probably hide 
I'm willing to go say hi, or maybe I have a friend, like a friendship with them again today. Yeah. And then, you know, you go through continued prayer and meditation and looking at your part, um, again, similar to the, the fourth step. Uh, and then the last one is like, go help somebody. So it's just for me, the steps are continuing to just grow in connection and spirituality. So it's like, I, when I work the steps in the fellowship, I get to see the things that are standing in the way for me connecting. And it's giving me just like a step-by-step guideline on how to connect with others. Cause I told you earlier, it's just like, that's something deep inside of me. Like I could be outside of a grocery store recently with my boyfriend and I see a friend who I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. She pulled her baby out of her car who I haven't met. And I like instantly like go like, Oh, I'm going to hide my head, like my face. So she doesn't see me. Madeira Kroger vibes. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And, um, and then I'm like, Oh gosh, I don't know about seeing this woman. And, um, and then what recovery has taught me is I got out of my car and I went up and said, hi, and I had a beautiful conversation with her. And then after the whole ordeal, I get back in the car with my boyfriend and I'm like, I'm the only cause for disconnection in my life. I am too. <laughs> my, right? I'm proud of you for saying hello because I'm the same way. Right? I'm like I would rather just like turn and run away and like not. Right. I'm proud of you for saying hello. <laughs> Thank you. I usually, when I end up doing it, you feel I better. Feel so much better. Yeah. Okay. Because of you, I'm gonna say hi to someone just because. This good. Week. I really hope you do. I think it'll do really. It'll do wonders. It'll make your day. Sometimes prove you your own self wrong. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> and then. So when did you know you were at your lowest of lows? Um, or like, what was your, to say like rock bottom? So for me, I feel like, uh, I don't believe in one rock bottom. I don't know if that's for me. Yeah. Everyone's path is different. Yeah. I, I think that there have been, Uh, many like Mm -hmm. it's you know I feel like I had a bottom before I went to my first treatment center when I was uh just about 22 Mm -hmm. and you know it's like I was suicidal I felt alone and I asked to go to treatment and and then I I also felt another bottom just like a year or so later uh right before I entered the fellowship and then uh I also felt a very strong bottom, uh, you know, just over four or so years ago when I got sober that, you know, my, my alcoholism, how I look at it and I perceive my experiences that, uh, you know, my drinking problem turned into a crack problem. Like, and, and I never expected that to happen. Like, not me. It was never part of my plans. Yeah, or no, like, it will never be me. 
<laughs> yeah, or like where I where we came where you from. Come like, from like, oh, that would never be anyone we know. Yeah, no, like maybe yeah. a high roller, like with a cocaine problem, but like I yeah. couldn't afford that. <laughs> Shit's expensive. Yeah. And so I uh yeah, I don't know. That was another bottom. And I can say that I think, you know, um, I've even had a bottom in recovery. I uh, I think it was just about almost two years ago that I had to, uh, I was in a relationship with a man who like I, we were extremely in love and, um, there was no love lost, but like he was struggling to recover and I knew that Mm -hmm. he wouldn't be sober without me. And there was a moment that I knew that like, it was kind of like this extreme connection with God that God was like, yeah, like this isn't going to change and you need to break up with him. Yeah. And, and I for you. Yeah. And I didn't want to, and I broke up with him and then I went through uh, that and I started having um, like PTSD, like flashbacks and experienced actually another trauma and some bullying. <laughs> and then, um, you know, it's like, I had my, I had my own uh, bottom and, in the, like in recovery, uh, which just, it's like, that always leads me like pain leads me to a point of surrender. Um, and then there's something so much beautiful, like more beautiful, even more happiness, more serenity on the other side. In all my experiences, pain always equates to something better on the other side. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And guys, if anyone is feeling like they are going to harm themselves or hurt themselves, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 800-273-8255. They're open 24 hours a day. Give them a call. My DMs are also always open. Just if that was triggering to anyone, I wanted to throw that in there. And then what else, Melissa? What else? I don't know. I think that even like you and I were, were talking, it's like, I think that recovery does, um, there's so many different facets. Like we can, uh, you can be in a 12 step program. Uh, you can exercise and eat well and go to therapy. I think that you know, recovery to me, like initially, like, it's like, I needed initially to be, uh, guided. Like I was yes, like, like, I need like, that too. I need the direction. I need the push. I need yeah, everything. <laughs> I needed to be, I needed to be surrounded. I was like a child, like who just didn't know how to live. And then I started being directed and and things just like so many wonderful things have happened as I continue to open up my world again, like with that idea of connection, like my world had gotten so small, like, especially at the end, like right before I got sober four or so years ago, uh, that like, it was me and two men over like a crack plate. Yeah. (laughs) I, I understand. I know. It's like, you get to the, the end and it's like okay like how the fuck did I like how did I get here and you're like yeah I'm like okay like where did the last three years go like what happened like yeah so that's crazy to 
when I look back and I'm just like, okay, like where did all these like years of my young twenties go? And I'm like, oh, I was high as a fucking kite. I have like no idea. No recollection. Yeah. Like, it's just like people were like, oh, have you watched this series? I'm like, definitely watched it but if it was in like the early (laughs) 2013s to the 17s fucking forget it because I was like rolling in and out and was not fucking like watching so it's just like I'll be like oh I feel like I've seen this and I'm like oh yeah like you know bits and pieces (laughs) right (laughs) so I that all being said is like I don't know I feel like there's uh there is like life on life's terms. I am going to experience hardship in my life. But I, I know that some of the hardest things I have been through have already um, behind me and that I have so much to experience. Like it's like, since I have gotten sober, um, like I express, like I've, I've gone to trauma therapy. Like I used to live in fear that all of a sudden I'd be 40 years old and I'd start having flashbacks to stuff I had not um, processed. And, and so it's like, I've gotten to face those fears. I've gotten to uh, experience healthy relationships. I've gotten to, uh, I got off all my depression and anxiety medication I saw that good for you it, I like really was hesitant to get back on mine like a few years yeah. ago yeah and so I did and I've been on them uh for a while so good for you that you got off and they they saved my life you know yeah and- but then there's a time when like if you don't need them and you can be healthy and happy without them that's great I'm trying to get back to yeah. that I didn't want to get yeah. back on mine I was like fighting tooth and nail as doctor mm-hmm. I'm like no like I just want to try this my way I don't want it I don't mm-hmm. need to do it and then I'm just like okay like why am I making this hard like harder on myself yeah. might as well just take the fucking prescription and move right. on. <laughs> and there's moments of like we get to learn like okay when to submit and when to you know move forward in a different direction and I in trauma therapy got to realize that is that I've like not done trauma therapy and I sounding like <laughs> it would be a great idea for me yeah I realized that um for me I had a record like just like a revelation really that uh I, I was struggling to experience anger on my antidepressants. And so if anything, like a man hollered at me in, in public mm-hmm. that I wasn't capable of being angry. I was only capable of feeling sadness with it. Ah. And, and then it pushed me to this place of, I was at a point of healing that I knew that if I got off of them, that I could maybe continue healing further. And that, and so among getting off those prescriptions i also have like quit all nicotine, nicotine products and um and my life just continues to like grow and change more sunshine yeah. more sunshine i love that i'm so happy for you that's awesome, awesome. <laughs> thank you i'm so happy for you too oh, you look so good and healthy <laughs> and good for you, you. Too. that's thank awesome you. so you don't smoke cannabis anymore Mm-mm. No, no, I, I, uh, I quit smoking that over the four and a half years ago. Yeah. So like when I, I literally, that, what, so since November, uh, 14th, 
2016, I've only had antidepressants in my system and nicotine. And then um, those are all gone now for almost a whole Well, nicotine has been completely gone for um, over four months. Wow. And then uh, my antidepressants and stuff uh, on 420, it will be a whole year. Ooh, festive. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, I still use cannabis like in the evenings and like sometime for my day today, just like sleep and stuff. And that doesn't, I don't have like an issue with it. And I feel like I have a pretty good handle on it. So it's not like. Yeah. I mean, if I could smoke it normally, I 100% would. I love it. And then I know that, yeah, it's just, I tried, I tried, (laughs) I tried. (laughs) I really Yeah, no, I, yeah, I don't know. Whenever I drink or like smoke cannabis or anything, I don't really get any cravings to like want to use or go pick up pills or yeah anything like that I feel like I got very lucky in that area I know a lot of people get cravings you know pretty badly uh, and that's something I have not really experienced so yeah grateful for that I have several friends who actually do uh smoke and even Mm -hmm. in the in the fellowship and and um and that's their same experience you know is that it's like I never they're like it was never my problem yeah that's so interesting I'd love to talk to more people like about that and I'm sure I will as I like go through this journey but it's just so interesting to see like everyone's different paths like I was in a clubhouse or something and the guy was a meth a meth addict recovering meth addict and he said that he can sit down and he can have a glass of beer or a glass of wine whatever and he's like that doesn't me or it doesn't like enable him to use meth and I was like oh wow that's very interesting so it's interesting to see like what are triggers for someone and obviously most people if you have to be sober you're going to be sober 100% of the way I feel like there's a very 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 small percentage of people who do this like I don't even know what to call it like a fusion (laughs) <laughs> yeah like i i heard uh recently or something that demi lovato has been referring to it as socal sober i've not heard yeah. the term before but i guess it's like when you're sober but you use marijuana and alcohol in moderation yeah so i don't know um i thought that was an interesting topic yeah everyone's sure. path is different so i mean it is there's no judging or shaming here everyone has no. the same path honestly some of my best friends um in the the fellowship still mm-hmm. do and they're just the people i connect with the most yeah and they're some of the most loving right. people and i don't know if that's correlated at all <laughs> i don't know but it's um but it's just it is my truth like three three solid people in my life and a couple of them have stopped going to the fellowship um who don't use too anymore they don't use anything at all um so it's Uh funny to see like yeah it's very interesting to see ask you one more question 
Oh, one more. Where did my list go? I guess I want to ask you, what are you most grateful for where you see yourself, I guess, in your sobriety in a few years or? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm grateful to connect with others and to be able to show up for other people in my life. Because then, you know, it's like it used to just be worried about getting the next drink or drug or like how I was going to be okay. And when I can show up for others, there's freedom in that. In the next couple of years, I don't know. I kind of even ask you what you're doing for work. Are you working? Sorry. I am. So I'm actually, I'm a, um, a certified holistic health coach. Yes. Queen. Coach and, uh, integrative movement scientist. That's awesome. So I uh, study people's, uh, the position of their skeleton to see like the length tension of their muscles. Um, So I can create individual stretching and mobility programs for people. Oh my God. I like need that actually. As well as exercise programs that are just individual to help that person get away from pain and move closer to their healthiest version. So I've been doing that for several years and, um, and I don't know, I really, I think that I, I've been growing in uh, my career. I just continue to hope, uh, I hope just to continue to grow in financial independence, just continuing to heal and to connect with others. Um, I just started dating somebody just a month ago who's like such a kind, wonderful human. Yay, I love that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the rest of my story, I just try to live open-ended because I think I used to have these firm ideas of, uh, who I thought I was based off of what other people told me. And so now I just kind of try to live openly of like, this is what I love. Um, this is what I'm doing today and this is where I'm going. And and then that can be different uh, in an hour tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> and exactly. then uh, and then I have freedom and serenity, and I can just go wherever uh, the universe intended me to go. I'm big into like frequencies in the universe. Mm-hmm. If you ask, believe, receive. If you just put it out there, and you're patient, the good will come. So yes, you know, and that's Very good. I. Uh, I switched my mindset to like very, very spiritual, you know, kind of in recovery. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, where else you're so low. I feel like there's nowhere else for yeah, you have to put that energy somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I totally believe in asking the universe for things and she will deliver in due time. So I agree. Well, thank you so much for taking the time with me today. Of course. See you and catch up. God, it's been so long. I know. Thank you so much for having me. I I'm always willing to do stuff like this. Like I just love to uh if there is again, you know, any purpose to the pain or just connecting with people who've experienced like common pain and common solution. Is there somewhere that you would like like an uh, email address or like a social or something that you want to leave for viewers if they did want to reach out to you in that way 
Yeah, you can you can hook up my you can hook up my Instagram. Yeah, that would be great. And then um, maybe in the future, I will have you come back and we can talk about like the stretching stuff and all the body stuff. Yeah, I feel like people would love to hear about that, and I'm super interested. So we can. Yeah, and I'm. I mean, also, it's. I also have like studied like nutrition and all this stuff. So whatever, yeah, like yeah, that would be awesome. Approaching recovery in different ways. Um, Yes. (laughs) Okay. Well, guys, you'll probably be hearing from Melissa again, hopefully sometime soon. But for now, thank you guys for tuning in. And you guys, if you could leave a podcast review or let me know if you have any questions you want to submit, I will leave the email in the information box underneath the show. And thank you for joining us today on this episode. And hopefully we could put this lesson into layman's terms. See you guys next episode.